hard same, I also went from anal avoidant to butt slut, and holy fuck. Welcome back to Bad in Bed, the queer sex education podcast. I'm Gabrielle Cassell. And I'm Bobby Box. And we are both queer sex educators and journalists. And later in the, on in the episode, we'll be talking to Ashley Manta, a sex and cannabis genius. genius. But before we do that, Bobby, I need to tell you, I have been feeling so bisexual in a way that I have not felt in literal years. Oh, same here. Like, honestly, it's so funny you're bringing that up because literally yesterday I was watching porn that was lesbian porn or straight porn like that's it's mm. just i'm almost always gay porn but now i'm like okay something's shifting right now and it's like i'm craving it like it's i can't get off to gay porn right now i need to there needs to be a female body involved fascinating yeah, yeah i've been like attracted to men Ew. No, I'm just I know it's interesting. I feel like sometimes like bisexuals, especially like bisexual women online mm-hmm. are like, ugh, like I'm bisexual and yet I still choose to be with my boyfriend. And there's all these kind of like memes, like putting themselves right. down for being attracted to men. And I've never really experienced that because I, my, my bisexuality really does favor people with similar genders to my own. But right. recently I've been attracted to men. And can I tell you what I think the birth of this refound attraction is oh please tell me have you heard of this reality tv show called tampa bays yes and i've heard (laughs) great things okay so i want people to watch it i'm so glad that there's a reality tv show based on a bunch of lesbian lives obviously there's like critiques about the show being uh predominantly white and colorist but Mm. i do think that having lesbian representation on TV is good because the more people who watch it, the more representation in new TV shows will be in the future. Anyway, this show is trash. (laughs) I love trash, though, honestly. I love trash, too. I think that there's something very healing about watching it and just, like, totally losing yourself in those scenes. Okay, you'll have to watch it, and then we can report back. Um, There, I think there are three or four couples on the show, and you know what? They It's not that they seem unhappy. It's just that they don't have the oomph and the love and the joy in their eyes that I want to feel for my long-term partner and that I know that I felt in the past. I'm like, where is that sparkle? Give me that sparkly love. Right. And you know what? Like, similarly, there was a show, I don't know, I would say maybe a decade ago called Fire Island, and it was on Logo, I believe. Fire Island, like the gay island in New York? Yeah. So it was a reality show. It was basically Jersey Shore, but just with gay men. Oh, I need to watch. It was very white, but there was some diversity in the cast, but not, you know, enough. All of them were in great shape. There was one who like his main storyline was like, he wasn't in as good of shape. So he was like, I feel fat next to these guys. And he was like, I feel like he was the most likable because he was Mm -hmm. the only one audiences could relate to or general. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, and one of them. I recommend he has a sex tape out. It's called Fire Island Fuckboy. And I recommend any gays interested in watching, absolutely watch it. It is hot as hell. Wait, so he released it consensually? It's It wasn't like a leaked sex tape? Yeah, no, it's like with the studio and everything. Oh, interesting. He basically gets gangbanged by like 30 guys. So, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of, it was pretty, you know, ahead of its time. 
I just think like I posted about it uh, a few months ago on Twitter and people were like, Oh, that show was trash because of the way it was, you know, gay men were depicted and everything. And it was, but you know what? Like a lot of fire Island culture is that. So it was, I wouldn't say it was inaccurate necessarily. Did you ever watch queers folk? It's funny. I, that used to be like, so that would come on late at night when I was like a kid. Right. So I would watch it as like a scandalous thing. Just hoping guys would make out or like fuck or something like even like a little bit of like intimacy would like get me going and every single episode had sex and intimacy like that was a very explicit tv show did you watch it because i only I watched, watched it, it like... and i love it oh, okay. it's still probably one of the tv shows that makes me the horniest there is just absolute carnal desire that there's um sense. did you know that there's a remake they're filming now so that no. on... yeah Wait, oh, Bobby, I hope that there's another age gap relationship. I know that, I know that, okay, I, we don't, I don't want to go into the semantics of like whatever problematic yada yada yeah. about that age gap relationship, but I love seeing age gap queer relationships depicted on TV because I do think that they're, they are more common in, in queer spaces and I don't feel like we talk about it a lot and I've been in a few age gap relationships yep, and too. so I'm like hungry for that representation. Oh, I'm pumped. Yeah, and like they released the cast and everything. It just it looks like it's going to be really good. Like I've got high hopes for it. Um, what's another? Oh, L Word. I never watched the L Word. Did you watch? Because they I did, did a remake the too. Yeah, yeah, and they're still doing a remake. So there was the L Word, which I think ran from like 2004 to maybe 2010, and then mm-hmm. they just did a remake, the L Word Generation Q, which I think aired in 2019, the first season, and then the second season just wrapped up, and. The the second iteration of it, like uh, the remake, is definitely working very hard to compensate for the racism, the transphobia, all the isms that were present in the first version. That said, getting to see women have sex outside of Pornhub was huge is hugely beneficial. Yep. It normalizes it, right? Like Yeah. It, yeah, I felt like queers folk kind of did that as much as I didn't really watch it intently. It made me feel like, okay, well, at least they're acknowledging that we exist. Because up until that point, I never really felt that we were. Well, and the thing with Queers Folk, too, is I think that the first time we see sex, anal sex on screen, I'm pretty sure it happens in the missionary position. And what I love about that is that so much of anal sex porn is just like doggy style plowing. Mm -hmm. And obviously that has its place in an erotic life. But to see the eye contact, the intimacy... The slow and go. Oh, and they use condoms like crazy. And do they show folk. lube? They show lube. Okay, we it's love that. It's not just like spit, yada yada. It's yeah. like. Mm. See, uh, there was also another show that was mostly around queer men. It was called Looking on HBO, and um, I feel like that was the first time you ever got a um a genuine look at what douching prior to anal sex was like. And he's like, yeah, there's like a fleet next to his face. And he's like, got his face like on the bathroom floor. And he's like lifting his ass up in the air as he's like putting it in. So it was like, it was very graphic the way they showed it and everything. So it was like, okay, so we're getting like, I feel like we've gone incrementally, like each series has kind of pushed it a little bit further now. And now I feel like we're finally getting a more well-rounded glimpse at like the entire community. Like you said, um, the L word, like the new generation one is kind of, you know, they're talking more about trans issues and you know i just feel like we keep pushing the agenda forward a little bit more and when i was a kid i never really had that you know queer as folk like when i my age at the time 
was a little ahead, you know, like it was an adult show. So I couldn't really grasp the idea of it that much. So what I did was I found I the most like queer adjacent character on television and kind of like followed their lead. And that character is drum roll, please. <laughs> Seth Cohen from the OC. Oh my gosh. Yes. Say more, say more. So I just felt like he was very my vibe and I felt like I know he's straight but I felt like there were a lot of queer tendencies that he had like he was kind of an outcast he um he loved video games queer people love losing themselves in video games so they can like you know it's like a fantasy that you're playing another Mm -hmm. character and he was always against like sports and everything like that so I kind of really I went kind of I just emulated his life to the point where he writes a comic book and draws a comic book of him and his friends and I did the same for an art project and my school actually bought it to put it in the library oh so yeah like I emulated I remember I chose he was in like a Vogue Teen Vogue or something with like the cast of the OC and I like copied his outfit to go to like a, a formal like I and I tried to get like curly hair even though I didn't have it it was just like he was kind of like my, I'm like, you know what? We're the same, you and I. Because I didn't really have any representation and he seemed the closest thing to it, you know? Meanwhile, all of the queer people that I have dated look vaguely like Ryan. And all of the <laughs> men I have dated look vaguely like Seth's dad. Oh, Sandy. Hot. Sandy is a daddy. Yes. That whole cast, honestly, I thought, I, Summer, I genuinely, you know, because I, I am bisexual. Um, I have the biggest crush on Summer. Do you and remember? Maybe, Go ahead. Oh, I just, I don't know if it was like a genuine crush or it was just another way of me being like, I'm Seth. I love Summer. You know? Like, Do you remember when Marissa was a lesbian? Or yes! like exploring her, her attraction to women for like two and a half episodes? I'm so glad you brought that up because that was kind of, you know, the OC was like the biggest thing at the time and that they had a lesbian storyline and that lesbian's Olivia Wilde, who is now an A-list celebrity, like... It was hot. It was very hot, actually. Yeah, I remember watching it and at the time being like, oh, they're doing this to be provocative. But my whole thing with queer media is that more is better. And we yes. just need more so that we can have bad queer representation. And queer representation where we're like, that sucks. Because yeah. like that is such a gift that like straight folks have when it comes to media representation that I want queer folks to have too. And I do feel like even though we do have more representation now, people always find a way to still be upset over it you know like cancel culture is rampant right now mm-hmm. and it's like you know what maybe we should just celebrate that it's happening and not you know i understand that it's not exactly what we want or where we want it to be but mm-hmm. like it'll get there you know like stepping stones it'll get there yeah so in summary watch tampa bays yeah let me know if you have a slide into my dms and let me know if you have a similar response of being like oh i wish these relationships were a little bit more healthy but and also being glad that the tv show exists right cool let's bring on ashley manta we're gonna totally switch topics from queer tv to talking (laughs) about sex and cannabis which i know literally zero about so come on aboard learn with me and let bobby top this episode going to talk to you about the Fun Factory Miss B. This is Fun Factory's take on a rabbit vibrator, which means that it has two arms of stimulation, a longer arm that's designed for internal vibration, and a shorter little nubbin arm that's designed for external stimulation. 
Typically, the longer arm goes inside a vagina and the shorter arm stimulates the clitoris. This is thought to help increase the odds of a blended orgasm, which is basically like an orgasm plus, plus, plus. But the longer arm can also go inside an anus and the shorter arm can stimulate a tape. To check it out and enjoy this double vibrating toy, head to funfactory.com. Actually, it's kind of funny because typically I'm like the top of the episodes and then Bobby is the bottom, but I have never smoked weed. Okay, I've smoked weed once. And so I texted Bobby. I was like, all right, Bobby, you got to be the top of this. <laughs> I am <clears throat> so excited about this. And you guys probably know this already, but I tell everybody because it always happens. My last name is Manta like Santa. Okay. Perfect. Okay, I've been saying it right in my head. Good Me too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do people normally say? Manta? They say Manta. Oh. Mm. I blame Tantra for that, but <laughs> that's funny. That's right. funny. Let me just start by saying that I am very experienced with cannabis. I'm almost, I would say a daily user, you know, not, not a ton, but like I, that's kind of my way to unwind after work. And, you know, instead of having a drink, it's a joint. And Gabby, on the other hand, has, I think, tried it once and then never returned. I tried it one time in high school, puked, and have not tried it again. So was it overconsumption or was it like mixed with drinking? It wasn't mixed with drinking. I honestly have no idea why that was my reaction. It could have been anxiety. It could have been the strain. I have no clue. Well, I mean, today we're going to just be talking about cannabis in terms of sex. So, I mean, obviously that's what this podcast is all about. So I wanted to ask you because I used to write for a cannabis website and it seems like a lot of the research around cannabis and sex, it's like positive and negative. Like they speak for it and against it at the same time. So I would love to hear what your thoughts are based on like cannabis, pairing cannabis and sex together. I have found that it is something that you really need to do on purpose. Okay. And the intention matters. Like if you are just smoking some mystery joint you found between your couch cushions and hoping for the best and not mm-hmm. having any kind of planning or conversations around it, like there's a solid chance you're going to have a pretty bad time. Right. But if you go in knowing what your tolerance is like, knowing that you and your partner are on the same page about what's on the table and what's not on the table, how you want to feel – And that you've had experience with this particular product or strain in the past, and so you know how it's going to hit you, then you're much more likely to have a a pleasant, enjoyable, connective experience. Right. And that makes total sense. Um, I know this is probably a foolish question, but because I would imagine it differs with every person, but is there an indica or sativa that you find is better for sex or... I'm going to burst your bubble hard on this one. I'm sorry okay. in advance. Indica sativa are complete bullshit. Oh. They are just marketing terms. No way. Yeah. At this point, there are almost no true indicas and true sativas. And even if there were, the morphology of the leaves, which is what delineates indica from sativa, sativas mm-hmm. are long skinny leaves, indicas are short fat leaves, leaf morphology has nothing to do with effects. So everyone that's like, I only smoke sativas because otherwise I like sleep all day. It's bullshit. It's it's half placebo effect. Right. It's half like holdover from the illegal market when a dealer would smoke their supply and be like, oh, this made me buzzy. I'm going to say it's a sativa. It'd be like saying, oh, I only drink red wine because red wine makes me 
anxious and excited and and white wine puts me to sleep. It's like that's that's not how that works at mm-hmm. all. Um, so what you really want to look at when you're trying to determine effects is cannabinoid profiles. So like okay. what is the actual breakdown of THC, CBD, and other cannabinoids? And then also terpenes, things like um, beta-caryophylline, linalool, limonene, um, pinene, all these different terpenes, the way that the, the flower smells actually end up steering the effects more. But ultimately, it's completely subjective. So you really have to try different things and write down, how does this work for me? In what circumstances does this make me feel good and and tactile and mm-hmm. engaged? And in what ways does this make me want to disappear into the couch for four hours? Right. Wait, so right. do most most plants or most joints – I don't even know the language. <laughs> do they have both CBD and THC? Or I, for some reason I thought it was just THC was in something you would smoke. THC is the certainly the dominant cannabinoid and the one that you see most often. And the thing because of <clears throat> the way that things have been bred over time is – we have learned that in the consumer market, people want to see 28, 30, 35% THC because they think it's going to get them higher. So it's like more bang for your buck. That's also bullshit. But that's just how consumers think. And so- Wait, why? Why is that bullshit? <laughs> yeah, you're blowing my mind here. <laughs> I'm hitting you with science. <laughs> um, yeah, the actual percentage of THC is not the only thing that impacts how high you get. So to be like, oh, like I'm going to get this 30% THC instead of this 15% THC because it's going to get me higher, there's more to it than that. I've gotten very high off of a 10% THC, like two to one that's like 15% CBD and and not gotten very high off a 25% THC. It's It just varies. Like you have to really see what happens with your body. And again, with the other cannabinoids, with the terpene profile of whatever you happen to be using – that's going to impact how it hits you and also what you ate that day, like how your tolerance is, all of those kinds of things. So we have this kind of very reductive model in the consumer market of like what it does and sativas, indicas and and THC percentages. No one, people only know about THC. And so there's a big gap in knowledge that I'm trying to help fill in. Well, you know what? It's really interesting because the more you talk about misinformation about joints and everything, I find it's very similar to how people perceive alcohol. Like, you know, somebody might, whiskey might be there, you know, might make them messy, whereas wine doesn't. You know, it's just like, it's all an individual experience with how you react to each individual alcohol or strain, like you mentioned. Right. Yeah. Uh, is there, well, instead of, since, you know, THC and everything's bullshit and you just blew my mind, uh, <laughs> is there a certain mode, like a uh, way of consuming cannabis that you would recommend? I generally do not recommend edibles for sex, mostly because the results are so unpredictable and really challenging to figure out when you're going to be having your peak intoxicated experience because edibles can take anywhere from two to even four hours to fully take effect. People almost always overconsume their edibles because they're like, oh, I ate this half a brownie. I didn't feel anything in 30 minutes, so I ate the rest of it. And then two and a half hours later, they're regretting all their life choices in order on the bathroom floor. <laughs> I like inhalation. I think it's it's the easiest to titrate. You take a puff and then you wait 10 minutes and you see how you feel. And then you could take another puff as opposed to edibles where you have to kind of wait and just see how it's going to hit you. Um, I also really like topicals, especially for beginners, 
being able to engage with the plant without having to deal with the intoxicating effects is a huge bonus for people who are new to it, who are like, well, I've heard all these great things about sex, but I don't want to be high or I get anxious or whatever. Topicals are great. Do an infused massage. Put some on your pussy if you happen to have one. Throw in a suppository if you have any orifice in your nether regions, which most people do. (laughs) And and just like go to town that way. Yeah, honestly, you're bringing up exactly where I want to go with this because I did interview you for an article when I tried um, suppositories for the first time. And let me tell you, listeners, changed my anal game 100%. Wait, tell me. Oh, it just, I, I used to find, I will full disclosure here. There was a long time where I found anal sex incredibly painful to where I didn't want to engage at all. And I was, I did identify as a side for a while because I was like, I don't want to be penetrated at all. And then I tried (laughs) these suppositories and let me tell you, I can't get enough now. Like I am, my hole is hungry when I do it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like I want it more than ever. And it's like, can you explain how that works? <laughs> yes, because hard same, I also went from anal avoidant to butt slut and holy <laughs> fuck. Right? Especially because my boyfriend is a particularly girthy individual and I was just like, you're just never going to stick your dick in my ass. There is 0% <laughs> chance that that is going to fit under like the best circumstances. And it uh, turns out I was incorrect. And that – so. A suppository for people who are like, what the fuck is a suppository? (laughs) It is a uh, bullet shaped object that comes Mm -hmm. in like a little plastic wrapper and it is made out of some sort of solid at room temperature oil based product. So either a coconut oil or a cocoa butter or something to that effect. Um, I like to keep them in the freezer for easier insertion Mm. about 20 minutes before sexy fun times, you take it out, you unwrap it, you insert it into the anal cavity. It can also be inserted vaginally uh, if you happen to have one. And you just chill out, let it sit, let it do its thing. And what it does is that it helps relax the tissue. It brings in more pleasurable sensations. And I find that it really reduces discomfort without numbing, which is crucial because anyone who listens to this podcast certainly knows that you do not numb your ass ever. That is how you get hurt. So this really helps to smooth out that kind of transitional period where it doesn't hurt. You're not like, ouch, but you're like, hmm, that doesn't feel like that's not my favorite way that my ass has ever felt. It it smooths that out a little bit. So you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is fine. So I find it really helps with, um, the after feeling, you know, sometimes after anal sex, you can be a little achy yes. or, you know, so it's, I found that when I use suppositories, that feeling's gone. And then you're also like, you know, because it is made with cocoa butter and whatnot, um, it helps lubricate that area with like a thicker consistency, which I found very helpful as well. So do you also use store-bought lube in addition to the suppository or is Goodness, it one yes. instead of the yeah. other? Okay. Oh, I want like the Exxon Valdez up in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> More and just like more, more, more. (laughs) Same. It may not look like your traditional stroker, but the award-winning Manta from Fun Factory is the most satisfying device that'll ever touch your penis. 
The toy is brilliantly designed. From the tips that flutter against the shaft like a hummingbird's wings, to the ridges that retain lube for a longer, better glide. The Manta can be used on your own for stroking and head vibration, or with a partner for oral sex and penetration, effectively turning your penis into a vibrator via its six patterns and speeds. Think Inspector Gadget, only sexier. Go, go, Gadget Penis. For more information on the Manta, for more information on the Manta, visit funfactory.com and get one for yourself. Are there, besides like suppositories and lube, is there like lesser known cannabis products that can, someone could use in the bedroom? Like, or is it, is that pretty much the whole gamut? I love infused massage oils. I think that's a really great like connection, intimacy building activity, especially if you've had a long day and you have sore muscles. And even before that, you could do like, you know, your partner comes home from a stressful day. You run a bath for them and throw in an infused bath bomb or bath salts and they can soak in a tub that's full of of CBD or THC or both, ideally. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you dry them off and you lead them into the bedroom that you have prepared with music and incense and lighting uh-huh. and your waterproof blanket and all the toys laid out. And you're about to have a real good time. That sounds, that sounds magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both of us at the same time, we're like, damn. Gatsby's like, how do I get this thing yeah. in my life? I would definitely try massage oil. I, I feel... I'm a pretty anxious person, and so the idea of consuming something or ingesting something that is going to lead me to lose control is kind of like an underlying anxiety. So Mm. for me, like smoking a joint doesn't sound super exciting, but the idea of a massage – and I I haven't tried weed lube. I have tried CBD lube or CBD arousal oil. I would try weed lube. I would certainly try it. It's good stuff, and there are a lot of people just like you who are like, I don't want to lose control, but I would – offer and obviously you get to do whatever feels most comfortable for you but surrender is a really powerful part of intimacy Mm. and so even if you just practice it on your own first like smoke a little bit and masturbate and feel into that surrender sensation of I'm gonna let this take me where it takes me and I'm just gonna approach it with curiosity and Mm -hmm. enjoy the ride I suspect that would serve you in both individual and partnered situations. But Can you be more specific? Like what is it that you think – like me or somebody in general who masturbates for the first time in a high state, mm-hmm. like what is the difference about high masturbation versus, you know, non-intoxicated masturbation? <sighs> and how. Um, <laughs> really, like time slows down. A lot of us when we're masturbating, we're just trying to like relieve the pressure and get off. This tends to encourage you to really take your time and explore your body and and kind of become an explorer of your own skin. And, oh, what happens if I touch here? Oh, you know what? This isn't really a hot spot for me normally, but that actually feels really nice. I'm going to just do that for a little bit. And you're so much more present with yourself. Like, it's very easy to get distracted when you're mm. by yourself. Like, you, you know, the you know, phone rings or something happens, a dog barks. But when you're in that cannabis enhanced space, you're just right here. Right. Uh, What are some of the more creative ways you've seen cannabis used to enhance a sexual experience? Is there like different kind of ways where you've been like, oh, that's interesting or that you've tried personally? 
Well, I'll start with a sort of bad idea, which is I have heard that some people actually try to put like weed in their asses. Oh, like like nugs, flour. And I can't even imagine who thought that was a good idea. But I have heard that from a couple different people at this point that they're like, oh, you just stick weed in your ass. I'm like, why would you do that? (laughs) Yeah. So don't don't do that. Maybe. Mm, Okay, great. (laughs) One thing that I'm sort of warming up to now, which I was a little bit skeptical of early on, but I actually tried it and was pretty impressed, was using cannabis to almost create like a psychedelic quality experience. It takes a lot of time. You really need to dedicate at least like 90 minutes plus to that experience. And it's setting an intention, smoking a little bit, and then putting on some like hypnotic, maybe shamanic drumming or like entrainment kind of music and just like putting an eye mask on and closing your eyes and just being with your body and kind of going into that space the way that you would for a a normal psychedelic journey. Right. And then when you start to recognize like, oh, things start to open up and all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself, at least I do, because eroticism is sort of my default setting. (laughs) I'm like, oh, now I'm horny. So I'm going to start, you know, really slowing down and and touching my body and grinding my hips and feeling my breath move and playing with energy and wonderful, wonderful experiences. So say we have another Gabby listening to this podcast right now how would you recommend they start with their um you know cannabis and sex journeys would you it sounds like you would like them to start solo and explore their bodies on their own yeah what what where would they go from there where i would go first is start with a lower percentage thc like under 15 percent okay and start with a puff just one deep breath in and exhale you don't have to hold it that's another common um, myth of of smoking oh. weed. Once once you inhale it, it has absorbed as much as it's going to absorb. Holding it in longer is just depriving your brain of oxygen and making you cough. So don't <laughs> oh, need to do that. Just fucking exhale. It's fine. <laughs> and then just, you know, have a couple of your favorite toys nearby, but start with your fingers and mm-hmm. use your fingers all over your body just to kind of Gather information. What am I noticing about touch in this moment? Do I want firmer touch? Do I want faster? Do I want slower? Do I want lighter? Do I want more um, scratchy touch? Or do I want more massagey touch? And just explore your body and see what happens. Fun. I love that. I love that homework assignment. What about for somebody who's more advanced like Bobby? What would a homework suggestion for them be? If you are more advanced and you have the tolerance for it, I would encourage you to dip a toe in the, the concentrates pool. Okay. And how, how should I, cause I'm intrigued. Uh, tell me I'll do it. Okay. Tonight. So <laughs> dabbing um, or the, the vaporization of concentrates is a mm. less is more game. Like okay. we are talking the size of a pinhead is a dose of a dab. Okay. You don't need okay. these like dime sized, like dabbing slabs kind of things like, First of all, it's a waste of product. And second of all, it's a good way to send yourself in a really yucky headspace. Just a tiny, tiny bit. Again, one hit, exhale. And what I have found with concentrate highs versus flower highs is that your head is a lot clearer, but your body feels fucking amazing. Oh, love that. 
love that because truly I there's something about an edible that I truly love the way it makes my body feel but sometimes I'm like up here is just a fog that I can barely crawl out of you know so that's it almost sounds like it's the best of both worlds really it's a really solid way to go um I also am a big proponent of low temperature dabs I am not really into the like red hot banger on a dab rig like I want I have a puffco peak mm-hmm. uh which is this amazing very expensive, but very worth it. Portable, rechargeable vaporizer. And I use it on the lowest setting. And that is my jam. Or do like cold start dabs where you put the product in the banger if you are using a torch in a rig. And just like hold the torch until it just starts to vaporize and then stop. Interesting. So how does the temperature differ in like the experience? Oh my gosh, profoundly. Oh, yeah, profound, including with flour, by the way. Okay. So like vaping flour at a lower temperature is going to give you a much different high than combusting flour with a butane lighter versus using a match or a hemp wick. All of these different temperatures because the cannabinoids and terpenes combust at different temperatures. And so the effects change based on at what temperature they're like exploding into life. So what you'll find is the results with lower temperature dabbing or smoking or vaping. I just enjoy them more. I think the taste is better. I think when you get into the higher ones, you're going to get stoned for sure at with high temperatures, but like you're going to lose some of the nuance of the experience. You're right. just going to be stoned. I always, whenever somebody asks me about cannabis and sex, I always recommend having a glass of water nearby because, you know, cotton mouth can be uh, an issue. Uh, is there anything else like that that you like, you know, like little Martha Stewart tips for cannabis and sex that you would recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you are smoking out of a water pipe, put a couple drops of peppermint essential oil in your bong water. Love that. It tastes amazing. It makes it so much easier on your throat. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're not a water drinker, my best friend like mainlines Diet Coke and will not drink water unless she's forced. Um, (laughs) So I'm like, that's not going to hydrate you. But like if you want to wet your throat throughout the experience, maybe have like a lozenge or a lifesaver (laughs) or something. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Oh, what else? Don't share joints. We live in an area, uh, an era of COVID. So like (laughs) stop passing joints to anyone except people you are like fluid bonded with. Right. That classic get high on your own supply. Get high on your own supply. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There is no more puff, puff, pass. We have, we have gone past that area, era of the world. I can't say words. (laughs) There is also, um, Your mileage may vary, but I have seen this work, which is why I suggest it. There is a pill that you can take called Undo with two O's, and it is like an anti-high pill. I was incredibly skeptical when I first heard about this. I was like, that is complete snake oil. I don't believe it. Whatever. And then I had my 33rd birthday in Malibu at my friend Nicoletta Heidegger's place, and my boyfriend did a dab when he had no business doing a dab. (laughs) <laughs> he gets high off of one puff of a joint and he did a dab and he's just like i'm really high and we were about to walk down to the beach to do this whole beach ritual and i was like boy you are not ruining my birthday <laughs> like i'm sorry i want you to be okay but also like what the fuck were you thinking and i pulled out one of these packets of these undo pills he took it 15 minutes later he was solid wow and i was like wow no shit. i love that <laughs> gabby this could right. be your this- thing <laughs> Game changer. 
So what is it exactly? Do you have any, like, My what's the research? Research? You're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to get research on cannabis and cancer, uh, much less sex or anything else? Like, <laughs> I hear you. I hear um, you. The... My understanding of how it works is there is a compound in it called olive tall that is reputed to bond more strongly to the CB receptors, which are the cannabinoid receptors in your body. Your body has an entire system called the endocannabinoid system. It is meant to work with these compounds. It binds more strongly to the CB receptors than THC does. And so it basically boots them out of the receptors and replaces it Uh is the theory. Your mileage right. may vary. I am not guaranteeing your results, but I have seen it work in multiple cases, and it's nice to know that you have, you know. I am intrigued. A panic button. <laughs> yeah, honestly, because, and especially 15 minutes, you know, like, I have, you know, I have been smoking for a while, but, like, there's only been a few times where I'm like, I am way too high, and you would do anything yes, to get out of that space. I do. You know what I mean? So, to know, and you're just laying there going, okay, well, this is going to be an extra, especially if it's an edible, like this yeah. could last forever. So to know that it could be over in 15 minutes, yeah. godsend. You yeah, know? I imagine wow. Mrs. Doubtfire like jumping over furniture going, help is on the way, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I am learning so much. You know what? I think we got everything. Don't you agree, Gabby? Yeah, where can people continue to learn from you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Canasexual on my website, canasexual.com. I have a podcast called Elevated Intimacy, and I have my book, The CBD Solution Sex, which is available on Amazon and also at Urban Outfitters, which is kind of cool. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Ashley, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. next week's episode, Gabby and I are joined by holistic sex educator Tuck Malloy for what might be the most vulnerable conversation we've ever had on the podcast. We talk about the notorious top shortage in the queer community, and each of us hypothesize and discuss why it is that so many of us want to receive, but so few of us want to give. It's a fascinating and relatable roundtable that you won't want to miss. A reminder to follow Gabby and I on Instagram at Gabrielle Cassell and at ByBobbyBox. You can also follow our fabulous sponsor, Fun Factory, at Fun Factory USA, and our producer, Vivian McCall, at Pansy is Gay. Music for the Bad in Bed podcast is provided by Hot Machine, a project from Philly bands Rubber Band Gun and Star Moles. <laughs>